Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. may be seated. Hello, how are you? Merry Christmas, how are you all? Wow, who can believe it? We're just around the corner and got our grandson with us. How are you doing, Lois? Is he, is he settled? Hallelujah. And all the parents said? Amen. When it comes to children being settled, that is a gift from God. It's so good to be with you here today and... and um, I just want to express my appreciation, first of all, to our senior pastors, uh, Pastor Alyssa and Pastor Jason, for this opportunity. I, I never take it for granted wherever I, I go to preach or wherever I share. It's, it's, it's actually you're getting a platform, and this platform is not my platform anymore. This is their platform, but they've invited me, and I want to serve the vision of the house. And so I want to say thank you to them. And also, what an incredible job they're doing of leading the church, full of wisdom and grace. Come on, let's put our hands together. Um, you know, beyond their years, actually, in many ways, some of the decisions they're making, and I know it's not always easy, so I really give credit to them. Well, Christmas is around the corner, and how many of you have been watching uh, uh, Christmas movies? Uh, some of you are not putting your hand up. Come on, I'll, I'll do that again. How many of you have been watching Christmas movies? I mean, aren't they everywhere? It's like, how many Christmas movies can you actually have? I mean, there seems to be like thousands of them, and whether, whether it's on free TV or whether it's on paid TV, it's like they're everywhere. And uh, it, it really reminds us that we are getting close. And in a few days, that we're going to be celebrating right across the world, hundreds of millions of people. I'll be celebrating the fact that Jesus is born. He, he is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. He came, he came to earth to show us the way to God. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good time for us to examine why is it that we feel so passionate about Christ, about his birth, about his life, about his ministry, about his death, about his resurrection. It's, it's sometimes good for us to reflect why we are so devoted to Christ. I remember hearing the story of a pastor who was celebrating his 50th anniversary, and he invited the, the man who's now gone, Richard Burton. I don't know how many of you know Richard Burton. You have to be a few years old to remember. He was an old Welsh actor, and he had this deep baritone voice. Uh, often he would play in Shakespeare uh, plays, various roles in that. And he, was invi- he knew that the, the pastor knew him. And he said, I want you to come to the special service. I'm celebrating 50 years. And I want you to read from the 23rd Psalm. And Richard Burton says, yes, I will do. I'll come. I'll, I will honor you. But after I recite the Psalm, I want you to read it, pastor. And so he stood up. And he began to read with his deep, smooth, baritone voice, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, the whole place was just overawed by his, just the the sense of his being able to control the, the, the audience. And by the time he had finished, everybody just stood to their feet with the, because of his mastery and oratory. They just clapped. They said, wow, that is just so wonderful. And then the pastor stood up, and he wasn't as as professional, 
anywhere near as professional as Richard Burton, but as he began to read Psalm 23, he began to reflect on the goodness of God upon his life, how God had been faithful to him. And obviously that translated as he began to read, the Lord is my shepherd. And as he went through the psalm, a quietness fell over all the people. At the end of it, nobody stood up to clap. But you could hear various ones being deeply moved and tears streaming down their face. And there was a man who was sitting next to Richard Burton and says, how is it that when you read the psalm that people stood up and and they acclaimed and when the pastor read the psalm, nobody moved. And Richard Burton said, well, I know the psalm, but pastor knows the shepherd. To, To know him... To know Christ is to love him. And today I want to share with you something I pray that will be hopeful uh, to your your Christian life. And I came across a scripture while I was away and and it really stuck in my mind. And I thought it was appropriate when it came to me sharing at this time of the year. And it's found in 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, you can take them out. Otherwise, look at the screen. And it's found in 1 Peter because the Apostle Peter is the one who writes these words And he is writing to a non-Jewish audience. He's writing to people like you and I scattered around the Roman Empire. And he says these words. Though you have not seen him. He's talking about Jesus. These words were written after the ascension of Jesus. He says, though you have not seen him, the Lord Jesus, you love him. And the tone there is passionately. Though you... Though not seeing him now, you still don't see him in the flesh. Though that is coming later, you believe in him. You put your trust in him. You depend upon him. And you rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There's a joy inside of your heart that I noticed that it's hard to put into words. You love him. Though you do not see him, you don't see him. Have you ever seen Jesus in the flesh? No. Though you do not see him, you love him. These are the words of intimacy. This is the words of relationship, of deep affection. You believe in him. You have a deep trust in him. You depend upon him. You pray to him. You know, some people around the world, they, they believe in a God. And in fact, in many parts of the world, they, it's one thing to say that you believe in a God And you fear a God. In fact, in many world religions, there is a fear of that if you don't worship certain gods, that you're going to be punished, there's going to be retribution. But it's another thing to say that you love him, that you love the one that you worship. Here's a quote from biblical scholars. I'm going to put it up here about this verse. It says, unlike Peter and others in the first generation who had seen Jesus in person, these believers had neither seen him in person in the past nor do they see him in the present. Their faith is not based on their perceptual experience. Yet despite this apparent deprivation, they are in no way come behind the first generation of disciples in Palestine, for they loved and they believed in Jesus. Now let, let, me, let me unpack this a little bit. Has it ever struck you as a little bit strange 
that here we are 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus Christ, and we have hundreds of millions of people around the world who believe in Jesus, who love him with all of their heart, and yet they've never seen him. They've never seen him. They've never met him in person. They've never seen him with their physical eyes. And it's just like you and I. We, we have not seen him with our physical eyes. We have not heard him with our physical ears. We've never met him. Does it strike you as a little bit strange that we love him so intensely, that we are devoted to him, we're singing worship songs to him? Yeah. And I began to think about this. And then Peter himself is astonished at these people. He says, How is, I, I really can't get my head around this because these, these particular early disciples were going through a lot of hardship. They just weren't just believers. Because of their faith in Jesus Christ, right around the Roman world, they were being ostracized. They were being persecuted. Their privileges were taken away from them. Their property was being confiscated. They They were discriminated against in every possible way. And yet he says to them, I can't, I cannot understand how you, even though you're going through all this, you're so immovable in your faith. And he's deeply moved. He's deeply moved. He says, though you have not seen him, though you have never met him, yet you love him passionately and you put your trust in him. I don't know if you remember the story of Thomas, but Thomas was one of those people who had to see everything and remember the disciples went up to him after the resurrection and said, we've seen the Lord. He says, unless I put my... Hands where his nail scars are being. Unless I touch the, the side, I will never believe. And Jesus appears and he says, well, and I don't know whether he, the, the, the scripture doesn't say whether he touched it or not. But what I do know is he fell to his knees. He said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus turned to him and said, you believe now. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about generations of Christians who would never experience, see Christ personally after the ascension. He's talking about you. He's saying you are blessed. You are favored. God is going to treat you with great, if you almost like partiality, because you have believed without actually seeing. Say to the person next to you, say, you're blessed. You are blessed. And so I began to think to myself, well, how is this different for Peter? See, for Peter, it was different. Peter is astonished in regards to these early Christians because for him it was different. He had seen Jesus. He had walked with Jesus three years. He had seen him divide the bread and multiply it to feed 5,000. He had seen Lazarus come back to life after the dead. He had seen the miracles of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. He'd seen Jesus die. He'd seen Jesus being resurrected from the dead. He'd seen the deaf hearing, the blind seeing. He'd seen it all. And no wonder it's understandable that he's got strong faith. Of course he would. Of course he'd have strong faith in Jesus. He's seen it. Of course he would love Christ passionately. But what about these guys? And I began to think, why is it? How is it that their faith is so strong? Having not seen Christ. And they're they're going through all sorts of... You know, you can always test a person's faith when they go through difficulty. 
Hmm? You might say, oh, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. I be yeah, let's see when you are thrown in jail. Let, let's have a look when they strip you of all, your, of all your possessions. Let's have a look when they take away, when they discriminate against you. And many of you are discriminated against at work. And let's see, do you have faith then? Well, these people had deep faith and they had deep love for God. And I began to ask myself, well, how is that possible? Because I think the answer to that question is going to help you and I. Because we're in exactly the same position. Exactly. Here's my overarching thought. Even though you cannot see Christ now, you can experience him so powerfully that you love and trust him passionately all the days of your life. And I'm going to show you. Firstly, let's have a look at this. Even though these first believers, after the resurrection, had not seen Christ personally, yet the life and the ministry of Jesus was recorded in the Gospels. A very true testimony we have here even today. The power of God, never underestimate the power of God's Word. I have a man that I regard as probably a spiritual father. He goes by the name of Keith. He is 84 years of age, but he is as sharp as a tack. Every now and then I'll give him a call if something is, is disturbing me. But he told me a story of when he was a young man. He was in his 20s. And he began to have some doubts about his Christian faith. He grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home. And uh, these are the kind of questions that we still ask today. And maybe some young people ask him, is Christ real? Are the scriptures reliable? He was brought up in church and yet all these things, if God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? I mean, what about all the hypocrisy in the church? And uh, what, what's the relationship between science and the Bible? He was wrestling with all of these things. And, and he went up to his pastor and, and his pastor sought to answer his question. He says, well, look, you know, I haven't got the answer to everything, but I, I recommend that you do one thing. He says, I recommend that you read the gospel of Mark. Now, how many of you know that there's four gospels? All right, and, and Mark is the shortest one. So if you want really, you want really the gist of what Jesus is about, read Mark. And Mark is like action, 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 what Jesus is doing. And in his own words, as he explained it to me, and then I read it in his book, as he read the words of Jesus, as he listened to the, the teaching of Christ and the miracles of Christ and, and the, how he responded and the death and then the resurrection of Christ and Everything about them, he says, I felt strangely attracted to him. I fell in love with this man. And he said, if this is God in the flesh, then I will follow him for the rest of my life. And here he is still alive today, 60 or 70 years after that encounter with Christ. And literally thousands of people have been influenced through his ministry because he had an encounter with God through the Word of God, through the Gospels, through the faithful testimony of the apostles that is written down in His Word. Can I have an amen here? And you can too. Though these early disciples had not seen Jesus in person, they had encountered Him through the faithful recording of the Scriptures of the life of Jesus. And I know that you saw it up on, on the screen there, but in, in February what we're going to be doing is we're going to seek to answer some of the hard questions that people 
ask about the Christian faith. And, and I really encourage you to, to enroll in this course. I think it only goes for about eight weeks, but I believe it will strengthen your faith. We need to have answers to some of these deep questions that people have, and, and I'm going to be doing a couple of those sessions with them, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So that's number one. Number two, though they had not seen Christ in person, they had witnessed signs and wonders that were done in his name, miracles that took place after the ascension, not just when Jesus was here on earth. And some of them are written down in the book of Acts. And, and I just want to, there's so many of them, I just want to refer to one of them. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, there's, there's a story of a crippled man and and he, he would, everybody in Jerusalem knew who he was, and he would just sit at the, the temple gate, and, and as people came in to worship at the temple, he would be begging for charity, and people felt sorry for him, and so they give him something, here, here, my, here, hopefully this will help. And then Peter and John, it says, one day walked into the temple, and, and they looked at what they had as silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And immediately the man got up. Immediately he stood to his feet. Now he's running around. He's running around and all, all over Jerusalem and he's jumping and he's shouting. And people are starting to say, who is, what has happened to this man? What occurred? Is this the same, they're is this the same person? I thought he was at the gate. What, what happened to him? They're talking to him. Well, there's chaos in the whole place. And, and Peter stands up and says these words. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being questioned today about the good deed done to this crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, and he says, listen, don't, and he's basically saying, don't think it's us, don't think we're holy, don't think we've done, we haven't done anything. And then in verse 10, let it be known to all of you and all the people in Israel, Read it with me. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. You, he's not missing any words here. You crucified him. You thought you got rid of him. By, but whom God raised from the dead. This man, read it, stands before you healed. And then that classic verse, two, one verse after, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, for there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we have that name today. And that name is Jesus. And he is the name above every name. How do we know that he lives? Because when we pray, he is the one who answers. And that's exactly what Paul, Peter is saying. You think it was just when he was here alive. But let me tell you, he rose again and he's still doing miracles today. You know, a few years ago, we did something in our church. We asked people, we said, can you, we believe that God has done miracles in your life. And those of you who've been here for a little while will remember. We said, we want you to write it down so that you have a story to tell. You know, tell us your story. Tell us of how Christ has intervened in you. Tell us about God's miracles in your life. And, and because if you tell us, you're, it's going to help people. And so we gave them all these cards. And, and what they did is they began to write down, you know, some of the things. And slowly, slowly, over a period of weeks, hundreds of cards came in. Yeah. Stories of God's provision. Yeah. 
Stories of God's protection. Stories of relationships being healed. Stories of them being healed in their body. Stories of people, stories of, of answered prayer. Story after story after story. And we put them on the back wall of the church and, 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 and actually it was in the foyer. And every time I'd come in into work, I'd read a few of them and I thought, wow, God is still at work amongst us. Wow, God is alive. And it increased people's faith because you see, you don't have to see Jesus in, in, in the flesh, but you can see his work still today. And I think if we were to do the same thing, some of you are new to the church and we were to say, can you tell us your story? Can you tell us the story of what the living Christ has done for you? Can you tell us the story of a miracle that occurred in your life? I think we would have a lot more of those cards coming in again. And some of you with tears in your eyes, you'd be talking about the goodness of God. This happened, but God did this. I thought this was going to be the outcome, but God turned it around. God is good. God is faithful. You see, we know, even though, even though, you have not seen him, Peter says. You love him, and you believe in him, and you are filled with a joy unspeakable. Uh, number three, though they had never seen Christ in person, yet they had experienced an encounter with the living Jesus. That encountered him. You know, for some, the, the people that Peter is writing to, it might have been dramatic like the Apostle Paul. He's going to Damascus. He is antagonistic against the Christian faith. And, it's like, and he hears a voice from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He falls to the ground, a blinding light from heaven. Now, I didn't get that. For most of us, it's not like that. Just an encounter. But nevertheless, it's memorable. One of the things that we do as a church is we support people around the world, and, and this is very much the initiative of Pastor Jason and Pastor Alyssa. A 10% of all of our income goes to global missions. And, and, and we're in countries, we have field workers where, where they cannot preach the gospel. They are not allowed to have a Bible. There is no Christian church. They have to be really, really careful what they say. I mean, it's all underground. But their people are giving their lives to Jesus at a unprecedented rate. What on earth is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The living Christ is revealing himself to their hearts through visions. And if you hear their story, it's all about... I, 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 I wasn't even thinking about Christ, but I had a vision of Christ. I had a dream about Christ. They can't explain it. And then they begin to search, who is this Christ? And they have an encounter with the Lord that changes them completely. That is happening around the world. When somebody is searching for truth, God will always find a way. I'll say this again. Even though you cannot see Christ now, you can experience him so powerfully that you love and trust him passionately all the days of your life. That's what Peter is saying. Number four, though they had never seen Christ in person, but the work of the Holy Spirit was powerful in their lives. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, when I, he says, it's better that I go because when I, when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 14, say it with me. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit makes Christ and God the Father just as real to us as he was to the early apostles. He makes Christ real to us. I don't know how he does it, but he does. Here's some, a little bit of teaching. The Holy Spirit generates faith in our heart. You think you got faith? No, it's the Holy Spirit that's helped you with that. Even, when you, even if, if faith is a little bit like this, God, I don't even know whether you exist. But if you do exist, can you come and show yourself alive? You know what that is? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the capacity to repent. He opens our eyes to the truth. I don't know if you remember the moment when you, when you gave your life to Christ. Says, Why didn't I see that before? It's because something happened. The veil fell from your eyes and you saw it. He fills us with love for Christ. He helps us to pray. We don't know how to pray sometimes and yet he, he helps us. He gives us words and he speaks through us. At times you're talking to people and, and you'll say something I didn't mean to say that. It's like he's speaking through us. He's alive. He assures us of our standing as sons and daughters of the living God. He says, you are my child. And he brings us directly into God's presence. Do you know how strange it is? We take it for granted. Here you are. And we're worshiping God today. And you sense the presence of God. Where is he? Do you, do you understand how strange that is? What are you worshipping? The curtains? What, what is it? It's the Holy Spirit brings us from where we are into the very throne room of God. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you thought, I'm not sure, just momentarily, I'm not sure, where am I? Am I here or am I there? Am I, you've just got a little bit of a taste of heaven. You open, oh, that's right, I'm here. Anybody ever experienced that or is it just me? Okay, oh, just three, okay, you need to ask God. For and you think to yourself, God is in this place. Wow, I, I, I'm sure that you've had that experience. You've, sometimes it can be noisy, sometimes it can be quiet. You go, oh, God is in this place. Everything goes quiet. Or everything just, it just hones in. God is in this place. You know, Niagara Falls is one of the wonders of the world. It's easily the most powerful waterfall in the world today. 168,000 cubic meters flow through the falls every minute. Every minute. No other waterfall in the earth does that. In fact, the thunderous roar from the waterfall can be heard for miles around. Now, you can experience Niagara Falls from a distance. You can see it because it's so huge. And that's an awesome experience. It's deafening at times. The water falling can actually be deafening. It's such a loud noise. Or you can experience it up close. And it's with a boat called the Maid of the Mist. And they take you on this boat ride. I don't know. Some of you are nodding your head. I'm not sure whether you've been there or not. And, and they take you right up close to the waterfall. You get a boat right up close. And that maybe they've got a picture of it up there. If you go on that, you better wear a raincoat. 
you are going to get absolutely drenched. You are going to be inundated. It's, and, and it's like, whoa, you are up close. The Holy Spirit brings you right up close. So that you begin to experience every now and then that after spray of his glory upon your life. And you don't know whether you are here or there. Where are you? In fact, the, the, the writer of Hebrews just gives us a little bit of a glimpse of this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it says, You have come to a city of the... You have. Everybody say have. You have come to a city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to countless angels in joyful gathering. This is a worship experience. You have come there. It's, it's here, but it's not. And yet you've come to God himself. You've come to Jesus. You've come. You're experiencing a taste of heaven as the Holy Spirit brings you right there. And then finally, though they had never seen Christ in person, they had experienced him every day. Is that your story? Every day. You know, every day we experience, every day we hear him speak to us in the inner resources, recesses of our heart. We come into his presence. Sometimes he speaks to us through his word, you know. Sometimes he speaks to us through different people. Every day we surrender our lives to him and we say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Your kingdom come your will be done. Every day we, he empowers us. Every day he instructs us. Every day he corrects us. Every day he encourages us. Every day we put our trust in him. Every day we remind ourselves that one day we're going to see him face to face. Every day. He says, you ask me, the old hymn, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Every day we experience him. Two weeks ago, we conducted the funeral of John Bessemer. He'd been in our church for 43 years. And Joe Bessemer, one of the longest standing members of our church, never faltered, never took his eyes off Jesus, even though he had never seen him, yet he loved him passionately. His faith in him was immovable. And I began to just explain to those who were in the room, it was a private funeral, and I said, you know, sometimes God gives us a window, that which we cannot see, God gives us a window into that realm. And I spoke to them about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'll put it up on the screen here, maybe read it with me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. There is an unseen world in which we live, where God lives, and this world is, is part of it. There, there will be no more sickness. We understand there's no more pain. There's no more separation. There's no more death. There's no more evil. There's no more injustice. But you know what? The best part of that is that we will see him who has walked with us, who has been with us, who has encouraged us, who, who has answered our prayers, who has been with us every step of the way through all the twists and turns. We shall see him face to face. We will see the one, even though you do not see him, yet you love him and you believe in him. But then we shall see him face to face. Then we shall know him as 
as we have been known by him. And I told them the story. And I was surprised that people didn't know because I think I've told it a couple of times, but I want to share it with you as well because we're talking about how we can see the Lord. My father, and I'll say this for those who are new in the country, went to be with the Lord in 2005. That's 18 years ago. It feels like yesterday, I must admit. And my father was unwell. I knew, I didn't know that he was really unwell and how soon that he would be taken or he would pass. One Sunday, I'm in church like you are today and I'm taking communion. I'm not thinking of my father. I'm not praying for my father. I'm just in the presence of God. And it's like I had a vision from heaven. I don't say that lightly because I don't have visions from heaven. I saw a very clear picture of my father, very clear. And I saw him walking toward an invisible wall. And as he began to walk toward this invisible wall, as he got fairly close, the wall lifted, and he passed over to the other side. And as he did that, tens of thousands of people stood to their feet and welcomed him. And immediately I knew that God was about to take my father home. He was about to enter into his eternal home. Two weeks later, I get a phone call. And my father's health took a turn for the, the worst. I rushed up to, to Sydney and I was able to spend some time with him. It was a beautiful time with him. I was able to feed him. It's lovely when you're able to serve your father like he served you. I said exactly the same thing happened with John Besima. He stepped from this life into eternity, from that which is unseen to that which is seen, that which is now and yet not yet. He stepped into that realm, and that's what happens to us. And that's why all of his life, for 40, I don't know how long it was, for 50, 60, no, it would have been 70 years, John Besma walked with God. And these words can be said of him as it's said of all of us in 1 Peter chapter 8, verse 9, though you have not seen him, you have not seen him face to face. You have not touched him. You love him passionately. And though you do not see him now, you will one day, you still don't see him. Yet you believe in him. You put your trust in him. You, you depend upon him. You pray to him. You speak to him. He speaks to you. And you rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy, which sometimes it's hard to put into words, where you say, man, I'm going through so much, but you know what? My faith and my confidence is in you. Yeah. Could we all bow our heads in prayer? I don't know where you are in your walk with God today. I don't know whether you've had an encounter with Christ, or maybe you've just wandered away. You know, it's easy to make 
take some wrong turns and life, life is very long, it's very twisted, it's convoluted. I want to tell you there is no judgment here. No judgment here. And God is not moving away from you. He's actually moving toward you. And I'm going to pray a prayer that to bring people or draw people into a relationship with God that they may know Him personally. Maybe you're, you're just willing to pray a simple prayer. Say, Lord, I'm lost. I don't even know whether you even exist. But if you do, would you come and show yourself to me? Wherever you are in your walk with God, if you want to take that next step to know Him, to, to experience His reality in your life, as I pray this prayer, if you say, Pastor John, when you pray that prayer, would you please include me in that prayer? Would you just lift up your hand so that I know who you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Just lift up your hand quickly and then put it down again. Say, yep, thank you. Anyone else over here, over here? Anyone else? Yes, over here. Anyone else say, I just want to, I just, I need to encounter him. I need to get my life right with God. Wherever you are, he's moving toward you. Yes. Anyone else? I'm seeing those hands. Those who raised their hand, would you lift up both hands toward God as a sign of surrender to Him? Would you do that? Both hands toward the God. Both hands. Let's all pray today. Lord, this day. Everybody, Lord, this day. I thank you. You never gave up on me. You always searched for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Change me on the inside. I turn from going my way to going your way. I submit myself to your authority, Christ, my Lord and Savior. Lord, I'm lost. Show yourself to me. Here I am. Help me to live a life that pleases you. In the name of Jesus, I come to you. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we put our hands together, those who made that decision. Everybody else stand. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. But this is the overarching thought. And I pray that this is an encouragement. Even though you cannot see Christ in person, you can experience Him so powerfully that you love and trust Him passionately all the days of your life. That's the reality of what the Scripture is telling us. Will you lift up both hands? before God. Father, I pray for us as a congregation. I pray, Lord God, that we will serve you, Lord God, with even greater enthusiasm. Lord God, that we would love you passionately. Lord God, that, that we would believe in you with, with, without restraint. Lord God, that we will experience you on a constant basis. Help us to walk with you in this life. Help us to bring the reality of who you are. Help us to experience in us and through us the miracle working power. For you are alive today and you are still doing miracles. Father God, we pray. We give you our lives. And Lord God, we pray that you will be demonstrated in us and through us. Let your life flow 
And Lord, we proclaim this in the name of Jesus who was crucified and yet you, God, raised from the dead the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We proclaim this in G. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.